Are you or a loved one stuck or frozen in addiction recovery? Are you inspired to drop old and limiting beliefs about who you really are? Process your emotions, disarm the inner critic, and move from self-loathing to self-embracing with Melissa Armstrong Coaching. With online one-on-one coaching, small group coaching, and workshops, Melissa Armstrong can help you find the magic in the darkness. Check out Melissa Armstrong at www.strongarm.ca. That's www.strongarm.ca. It has been said that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. Here, we connect anonymously. This is Addicts in the Dark with Quick Nick. How often do you hear the words addictive personality? I think that concept is an oversimplification of the issue. We've talked about it on this podcast, economic disparity, trauma, availability to substances and marketing strategies employed by industries. Those are social and environmental contexts in which addiction develops. Blaming addiction solely on a person's personality is a flawed oversimplification of the issue and ignores the complex interplay of these factors. Right now it's caller 38 and their story about addiction. Addicts in the dark. Hi. Hi. So, uh, remember to remain anonymous and a maximum of an hour. No problem. So let's talk about your addiction. All right. Um, I guess it would be smartest to start from the beginning. Um, you know, I was, uh, with my mums, and, uh, basically we didn't really have much going on. We lived in the middle of nowhere. And as a young child who was kind of understimulated, you kind of get the internet, right? And, uh, you get exposed to a whole lot of shit, to a whole lot of shit, just the whole of it. And video games are a part of it. Pornography, anything, just this overstimulation that everyone's being bombarded by. And yeah, it started, I guess it was about 11 years old. I suppose. And uh, it kind of started really harmless. It's like these online things, we're talking 2005-ish, 10 maybe. So it's still, it's not that new and it's not that novel. So it's a bit advanced. But uh, yeah, it it started with like these game-like chats and like all basic stuff like Minecraft and all that type of stuff. Like every kid kind of played that at the time. And uh, yeah, fast forward 20 something years later. Yeah, it's gotten, well, I guess I'm not the worst example. I guess there's people that feared much worse than me and that had, you know, their life, life literally torn apart by it. But I think the most average encounter with, for example, video game addictions or and in general media addiction in terms of video games is, is a lot more nefarious because it's a bit more toxic on the long run. Because I had times back in the day when I still had more social life you know, putting friends and family aside to play some games, like getting home, the first thing you do is boot up your computer, procrastinate. It, it, it sounds harmless and it sounds very much just kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's my thing that I do for relaxing and all that type of stuff until you sit down sometime and think to yourself, what exactly do I get from this? And I think this is the most toxic thing about video games itself, that they overstimulate you to a point where all other hobbies become like worthless, understimulating, boring, 
to you and you start procrastinating. So you start fleeing, especially if you have like troubled childhood, which a lot of people have, or any type of social trouble, really. You tend to have this escapism and some people do that with books and more modern people, more techie people do it with games. You just described your struggle to me as a gaming addiction or or you said media addiction in general. It's hard to describe, yeah. Well, perhaps it's an addiction to the allure of instant gratification, whether it's video games, social media, porn, being on your phone in general. It's whatever pixelated abyss where achievements and triumph and feel-good energy can come instantly, especially if you pay for it. Yeah. I, I read a lot less as a kid. I had tons of books. I stopped that. I had some friends and I've got really bad with managing these social things because especially with online things, and I think it's, it's a thing that extends with all these communication going on, uh, you kind of get used to having chats you can tap in and out of. It's not really much of a conversation. And uh, all my friends that I had until recently were all these gamers. You know, you never really go outside. You don't really socialize a lot, which of course messes with your head tons of, and you kind of miss out on a lot of things. Like I never really went to party and never got the the courage to do it or, or the, the allure to do it. Like there's different kinds of, you know, these types of events. It's always been games, 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 and what's the newest game. And it's, it's been fun, yes, but you have to remember that you're sitting in a chair uh, hooked up to a computer. If you don't really spend more time with your family, you'd rather be staying at your computer and experience a digital world because these games also oftentimes play with deadlines and and grinds and limited edition things and all these types of things. And these are all just things that keep you glued to the computer. And I think besides from the social stuff, it's it's money stuff too, because it, it all costs more and more and all these types of monthly pay things. And I've, uh, aside from the thousands of euros I spend on my computer, it's thousands of hours sunken into that. And if you take these resources and think to yourself, what else could I have done with these things? And that's what kind of what I did because I started regretting it. I gave up reading, I gave up guitar, I gave up a lot of friends to events that I kind of ditched out on. I become really antisocial, like over the span of me developing as a person. You know, staying inside and playing video games makes you introvert. Of course it does, because online friends are not real friends. They kind of are, but they're kind of not. And you learn a type of friendship, a type of, you know, speaking to each other that is, again, tied to this very instance-heavy typing to each other. Yeah, not being face-to-face means there's a lack of consequence. So people say wild shit to each other. It's super toxic. It's incredibly toxic. That I completely forgot. It is so toxic that you just get used to it. But why do you think gamers seek out and engage in these toxic online friendships? That's a really interesting question because I've been wondering that because I've often substituted these online friends for real friends. And I've kind of noticed that especially with real friends, you have personal physical face to face you can see the person you can either luckily or unluckily smell the person in front of you all these types of things you can you you, you feel the emotions as everything is just physical and you have none of that with online friends it's always disembodied voices talking to you sometimes it's a moving picture it's a video that talks to you if they turn on their camera sometimes but even with the friends that i thought i was close it's really very superficial so i guess that i would be a much healthier person if i didn't have to have any exposure to the internet because if I ever have kids and what I tell parents a lot is by God, please keep them away from the internet because it's just filled with predators and porn and things that are just so socially and mentally crippling. It's people that break people on purpose and tell them the most horrible shit and everyone just keeps quiet about it. Well, like any tool, 
the internet's impact depends on how we choose to use it. It's revolutionized our world. We just can't stop using it entirely. Like anything, it just needs to be managed properly. Hard to manage it, really. It's really hard, especially because we're talking about parents, we're talking about the prior generations, which are usually not that tax heavy. Well, the majority of them isn't. We've, we grew up with that type of stuff. They don't, because I, I always outsmarted my parents, like bypassing all these web filters and all that type of stuff that we have to take into account because ch- children g- grow up, later generations, especially from this point on, grow up with increasingly um, higher standards and higher levels of technology. It, it moves so quickly that I think controlling that is a really hard thing to do. And my parents also struggle with that a ton. Because me being smart and me, because every child thinks they're smarter than their, their parents and their parents know nothing, all that type of stuff, they always think they're invincible, right? So either you get hopelessly addicted to it, which is especially bad with a lot of people have that with World of Warcraft, very addictive, keep you at it, especially in RPGs and MOBAs, like for example, League of Legends. Toxic, but again, really high highs and very low lows. And that kind of is that dynamic that keeps you engaged and I was at the point where I started asking myself these questions and reflecting everything I said with with the toxicity and all that. And I kind of just stopped. It was this day, it it was 3 a.m. and I I got up and looked a horrible game that I just had, horrible game, to the point where I either wanted to smash myself, something else, or someone else. So much pent up rage. And I sat down and it's like 3 a.m. again in the morning, done nothing all day about playing video games. You've achieved nothing. You've learned nothing. You've enjoyed very little. It's always the same things. It's it's almost like chores that you have to do sometimes. And because there is nothing else. And this is what, what I struggle with so, so, so massively. And even if you want to quit, you get off your PC and you sit there. And that's what I did at 3M too. And it's like, what else could I have done today? Reading books. Oh, that's boring. Going for walks. I don't like moving. I would probably be staying at home. My, 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 my chair playing video games, going out, interacting with social media, but I don't want to because it's scary and I can't control it and I'm not anonymous anymore. All these types of things that the internet is susceptible you to, right? I kind of sat there and think, why am I doing this? Why am I wasting tens of thousands of hours and thousands of years into this? Why, why am I doing I could have bought a motorcycle with this. I could have traveled. I could have seen the world. I could have done something that has any type of meaning more meaning than just pixels and just achievements that mean nothing because because you're celebrating it by yourself you have no one else to celebrate it with like you have with a lot of things in real life it's just empty it feels empty all these cosmetic skins and items that you have and i bought for real money and i look back on it it's it's empty i can't sell these things i i can't make money of that it's all gone it's a giant black hole that you toss money and hours into that you not get back, it's all sunken, it's all gone forever. And that's what I realized, and I quit. I, I turned my PC off, got back onto it next day, and I completely eradicated everything. I, I, I put windows on it, and that's it. And I just went back to the hobbies that I dropped for it. And I remember that I really like outside. And honestly, the last few days, the last weeks really, I've been outside, like I've been interacting with the animals that my my family keeps and I've been going fishing a ton and just really reconnecting with that thing that kind of died down, got consumed by video games. It's, of course, sometimes I sit down and I think to myself, well, I have nothing to do now. What am I supposed to do? Because everything's so fast paced online, you kind of get to the 
to the way of thinking that everything needs to be really quickly, like really punchy. And if you, if you're one second idle, that that's a second you could have spent doing something else because everything's so ready at hand on the internet with no matter if it's pornography, if it's social interactions, if it's media, if it's like comedy or whatever kind of entertainment, or if it's video games, everything's just there ready to boot up. And that's not the real life. And what I noticed a ton is it really slowed down. Like everything really just slowed down a ton. And I, I feel more balanced. I, I, I feel like the guilt is gone for sitting around all day. You move, you talk to people, you spend time with people in, in person. Again, you have that physical aspect that you don't have online. And that's all my life is heading to. I get plenty of urges to go back and play. And I realize that I, I shouldn't uh, because it, it's unhealthy in so many ways, both mentally and physically. And uh, I'm really happy that I got to make that turn because a lot of people can't from what I've gathered. What do you think is a bigger factor for you and your video game addiction? Is it that these games are so well designed and augmented to keep you playing and, and keep you engaged? Or is it more of a reflection of deeper underlying issues? Well, it's kind of... It's more of like the after effects of reducing yourself to only video games, which a lot of people do, because I said it devalues other hobbies. And well, for some people, it's addicting because there's some games that are just purely addicting, League of Legends and World of Warcraft, big players in that. There's subgenres and sub games that work essentially the same way, which have mechanics to keep you engaged and addicted in that case. But what I fought with most is the the addiction part really comes from it destroying your life and social life and your well well your kind of your serotonin your dopamine levels to a point where it's just you you used to instantly getting everything and just getting everything at the same time and you have to retrain your brain to enjoy the mundane things and going outside and doing all these normal types of things finding gardening fun again some people struggle with that a lot i I'm, I'm glad that I have the options here in the middle of nowhere where I live. If you were still actively gaming today, would you have wanted to make this phone call? Nah, because I would be gaming. Like, if, if you did make the phone call, how would it have been different? Probably, I would defend gaming a lot more. I'd try to make excuses probably because, well, I need to make excuses in front of myself to feel less guilty. And I think every addict kind of agrees with me here that in your head, you try to, you know, excuse yourself to not feel horrible about yourself, to give yourself reasons to, you know, commit to the addictions that you have. And I think that type of behavior would have come through a lot more. And honestly, if, if we talked back then, I'd probably make a lot of excuses and put it away from myself, all the issues that I've been facing and kind of put them towards it. Well, yeah, that, that, that has nothing to do with gaming, right? That's just me being, no, it has to do with it. And it, it triples you. Before we jump back into the phone call, I want to remind you of our exclusive offer from our sponsor for this episode, BetterHelp. As a valued listener of Addicts in the Dark, you can now get 10% off your first month of therapy. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it via text, chat, phone, or video call. This level of support was essential in my recovery journey, and I firmly believe that therapy can be a powerful tool for anyone dealing with addiction, depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issue. So if you or someone you know could benefit from therapy, I strongly recommend giving BetterHelp a try. And to make it easier for you, our listeners, they're offering a special 10% discount on your first month at BetterHelp.com slash QuickNick. That's BetterHelp.com slash QuickNick. 
I used to tell myself the excuse of, well, at least I don't go out and do drugs and like drink and all that type of stuff. At least I'm here safe at home, not moving, spending 10, 16 hours a day playing video games and achieving nothing. That was in my head something that, you know, you kind of talk down the other people that actually went outside and engaged and if that, you know, included drugs, that aside. But you no, know, I probably talk to you differently. I'd make a lot more excuses for myself and for the other people and uh, just to defend the hobby that I'm so fond of. Obviously, I'm fond of it because I've sunk so much effort into it. I feel like if you're deprived of going outside, this used to happen to me when I go like on four day benders. If you're deprived of going outside, you forget about the benefits of going outside. Yes. You know, your, your sensory experiences are all out of whack. In your case, you're, you're used to being stimulated by shooting a terrorist in a video game. Looking at a leaf or a flower is probably uh, understimulating. It is. Uh, it, it's like there's this thing going around, this meme going around with people telling them, like each other, especially gamers, telling each other to go touch grass because it's just such a thing to stay inside all the time because being outside and engaging with the world is something that is quintessentially completely the opposite of gaming, right? I feel like that's where all these allergies come from with all these kids who are allergic to basically outside. Oh yeah, I am, uh, like I only really got exposed to computers at, at around 11, right? So everything before that, I would just, I don't know, eat mud, whatever. I just went outside. Yeah, you got the immunity booster pack. <laughs> well, I'm a gamer who really didn't grow up with these types of things. I also grew, grew up on the, in a village. So this is kind of uh, a special situation where um, village people tend to play games, yes, but I think it's especially the people who live in metropolitan areas who are not, like who don't, like especially I am having an easier time dealing with this addiction that I had because I have so much outside that I can go to and like kind of convert all these types. Like instead of sitting inside playing video games, I just go fishing. I mean, because I can, it's right outside my door. I can just get outside and throw my rod in the next body of water because it's so, it's so close to my door, right? Imagine someone in the, in the city. What are you supposed to do? I can see people struggling to hell and back, especially with like in cities. What are you going to do? Learn to socialize? No, because that's uh, the most egregious thing, the most intimidating thing, actually, interacting with real people because I think being introverted and being a gamer really goes hand in hand. Yeah, but I wonder if that's a correlation or a causation because gaming is solitary to begin with. Well, yeah, if you boil down to it, it is because you're not really having the physical interaction. Even talking to people is you're kind of sitting in your room. Well, what I mean by solitary is, is that these game environments, online game environments, typically only allow certain people in and certain people out at certain times and they allow certain people to control those parameters well it's it's it, it kind of solitary in a way is that it's a specific type of interaction that really can only happen between people that are like active in these types of online communities may that be gaming or whatever so i guess in some way you are right it's not something you can take outside you're talking to disembodied voices or don't get me started on streamers, like these parasocial, really weird relationships that people have with uh, like their favorite streamers. They don't know them in real life. Don't get me started on how toxic that would be to someone who's like in, in a developing age, like 12 or 13. What do you think that, that does to people, having a relationship that is essentially one way? It is also solitary. I think that really sums it up, and I think that's the best example for it, really. There's, uh, there, there's so much to unpack when it comes to video games and the intriguing questions about the boundaries between real life 
and virtual experiences. It challenges us to to think about whether these virtual identities enhance self-expression and personal growth, or if they inadvertently blur the line between authenticity and escapism. Very difficult because everyone handles it differently, really. You have a lot more freedom with really deciding who you are, and I think with all these movements recently and especially with um, self-expression that has been gotten a big point and I think with like online avatars and all that type of stuff you don't really have to be yourself and I think a lot of people that don't like themselves find solace in being able to get an avatar right be someone else look out looks look like someone else be another gender whatever you want to be be seen as that because people actually see you as that People don't know you. People don't know your family. People don't know anything about you. They forget you again, like in a matter of seconds when you leave the the chat room or something. It's very free and open, but at the same time, you kind of forget yourself and reality in these types of digital environments a lot. Games have been developing into being substitutes for real life, and that's why it cripples any other hobby that you might have. That's why it cripples real interactions because it's internet interactions. It's different. Very crippling, but at the same time, very much a, a shadow addiction. It goes quite unrecognized. Tons of it in the shadow. Like people just take it for granted. They don't talk about it. You're completely right. It's an iceberg, really. You only see the top of it. And everyone just kind of doesn't, like, they know that they don't acknowledge the giant thing that goes underneath, like the, the, the void, the problems, the addictions, the gambling, the. The, the crippling to social social skills. It's so layered. It's so draining to talk about it because no one does. It's kind of like men's mental health. It kind of gets put under the rug and just taken for granted because no one talks about it. Yeah, media addiction, I feel like this is one that's especially easy to push under the rug because it thrives in a society that glorifies productivity and busyness and constant stimulation in theory we perpetuate the problem and if we acknowledged it it would force us to examine what we consider normal in our society it's well with gaming especially it's pulling back a rug or maybe a cover and underneath it's just this festering disgusting wound just it's not physical it is all just ones and zeros you can't, like, sometimes you can make money off it, yes, but the percentage of people that do make any type of relevant money is probably one or five percent, probably less than that. It's, it's nothing. I could have learned so many instruments. Like, I love music. I always listen to music, and people always say, oh, you're so musical. I bet you play a thousand. No, I don't, because I'd rather spend tens of thousands of hours sitting in front of a console slash PC and playing digital worlds because I think real life is boring. But it's not. You're just sitting there ignoring it. Of course, it's going to be boring. And the gratification that you get and the achievements that you get, you get used, especially if you play a lot of video games, you get used to success. Your success is either hard, hardly grinded for them or instant. Anyway, you hold it in your hands pretty much quickly, usually. And if you pay for it, even quicker. And what I've struggled with, at least I can make that connection, is um, being too much of a critic about myself and giving up on hobbies because I didn't make the advancements that I wanted to, because I'm used to, if I put in the work, money or time, I will get it uh, without fail. And I think that doesn't reflect on how things work in real life. You don't have instant gratification. And I think if you're getting too used to that, other hobbies just die because a lot of hobbies have this slow burning kind of, you know what I mean? This is this slow burning success that 
you just do it over a long period of time and it's rewarding to you. Games can destroy that because they're just getting you used to winning instantly or losing instantly. And they replace everything in your life. Social interactions, nope, that's online. Humor, well, nope, you don't have to go to a comedian show, you just do it online. Music, why, you're Spotify for that. Or you don't need to talk, really talk to women and hook up anymore in bars. You can just watch that online. But it's it's not the same thing. And man, I'm just really happy that I can talk about this because no one really does. Everyone just kind of says, oh, it's just a, just a harmless hobby. And I had a group of 10 people and five of that being the most active core and we did nothing else. But even in the summer, sit in our fucking rooms, play fucking video games and do fuck all, all fucking day. We could have went outside, we could have seen the fucking world, we could have gone to on a, on a holiday, we could have hung out, we could have met more people that are like-minded to us, we could have started a hobby. And you know what I did? What is also part of me quitting video games? I just said, all right, thanks. Thanks for the time, but it's over. You're not the type of people that I want myself to be. So I have to distance you. It's like you're the result of your closest you know, few people, either because you seek people that are like-minded to you, or because you become like the people around you. That's always one of two ways, right? Just from talking to you, but more so by virtue of the fact that you made this phone call, you're obviously a very authentic person. And authenticity is not something that you come across often on the internet. So I'm not surprised that you decided to walk away from it. Also really happy that you've been able to give a voice to this issue today. And I think your podcast really does that to people that maybe someone who's listening to this, who's closest, like for example, is their brother or their, their friend or their partner struggling with these problems. Maybe some, any of the wild bullshit that I just said, maybe help them in any sort of way to know how to approach them and help them. And yeah, I, that's what I think is infinitely fucking useful. And it's so important that you do this. And I'm really glad that, that you do. All of us surrender ourselves to the digital labyrinth of pixels and code in one way or another. It offers an escape from the mundane, a tantalizing cocktail of achievement and gratification. But as we delve deeper into the pixelated abyss, we risk losing touch with the richness of reality. It's a type of entertainment that is capable of corroding our social fabric. We trade genuine human connections for virtual avatars, substituting authentic interactions with virtual simulations. As our screens illuminate, the outside world dims. Nature's beauty becomes a forgotten treasure, eclipsed by the glow of screens and the allure of virtual conquests. It's a dance of self-awareness and moderation. We have to embrace the power of technology while preserving our humanity. Let us unplug, step into the sunlight, and rediscover the joys of genuine connection, both with others and the natural world. Only then can we truly thrive, embracing the world with open eyes, open hearts, and a renewed sense of purpose. Once again, I'm Quick Nick, and you can follow Addicts in the Dark on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to check out addictsinthedark.net. Thanks for listening.